0: This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. cut off by Mata, throws it out front, the scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more.
1: Viala's in for Minnesota. Viala cuts to the middle, waits, score. Greenway in, saved by Miska. Rebound, Eric Zinek, they score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. Adler, hooked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it. He scores!
0: Kirill the Thrill. Is now, great. here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boya. And Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome in to part two of our twenty twenty one Minnesota Wild Player Report cards. In this part, we will be discussing the six primary defensemen, as well as Dean Evason and Bill Guerin. If you missed part one, where we broke down the 13 primary forwards that played for the Wild this year, feel free uh, to go and check that out right now before you dive into part two. The order shouldn't matter a whole lot um, if you want to start here, so no big deal either way. But without further ado, let's dive into part two of the 2021 Minnesota Wild Play Report Cards. All right, we will start with i believe it should be jonas Brodin.
2: yeah so i went with b plus a minus
0: b minus Ooh. this is probably my most controversial one so who's uh who, i believe which, it is you huh? no justin i think
2: all right
1: i just felt like he was uh, pretty solid defensively as always um I mean, he's been, in my eyes, our best defensive defenseman for a couple of years now. Uh, he even chipped in on offense this year putting up the, the nine mm. goals, which was kind of unexpected. Uh, three empty nice netters? Grow- What's that?
0: Three of those empty netters?
1: Yeah, Um. I don't know. It was at least two, <laughs> I think. It was still nice to see him score nine goals.
0: Yeah, it
1: was. Um, had decent playoff season with three assists, scored some big goals. I think the biggest one was, uh, I mean, maybe not a bunch of big goals but he scored that big goal against Vegas when we came back and won where, when Zeke was out the game. Um I think overall we just saw uh, kind of a a normal Jonas Brody in season. But, uh, I'll let yeah. uh, I'll kind of let you throw your controversy out there. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, do you do you want to go or
0: uh, since I was the one different, we can go, you can, you guys can go and then I'll kind of okay. give my counter
2: argument. Well, I mean, I think I'm, I guess I was, I was actually a B plus. I was a little more down. I think I kind of have an idea for reading Brett's, uh, player cards of kind of what he's thinking, but I don't know. I just felt like, you know, obviously him and Matt Dumbo were, you know, they had a good start and they were, then for the last half of the year, they were kind of inconsistent with their defensive play, which is obviously very unusual for Jonas Burdine which I think, could have been in part to the fact that he was, I think even going back to last season, he had been starting to rush up in the play more and use his skating ability to become more of a two way player and, and get more involved on the offense. So uh, I think, uh, I think you know that's nice to see I think it's it's good that you know he's expand, improving his game at, even as he gets to be twenty seven now uh and, and continues to improve, which is good obviously you know, like I said, it was a little bit inconsistent defensively uh with Matt dumb but towards the end of the year but i did i gave him a little higher because I liked uh, I, I just liked seeing more of the offensive skill and uh, and to be honest I just i don't know I just the way he skates in play I know he he didn't have the greatest year but I just thought. Fact that he seemed to add another dimension to his game uh, was good for me.
0: Yeah, I think for me, what it came down to was the inconsistency because because I there were some games in my memory where it, and it it wasn't just Brodine. it was Brodine and Dumba where they just had mm-hmm. like there were some nights where those two were just freaking terrible. Yeah, like St. Um, Louis. Yep, yeah. yeah, uh, there was. I believe there was a point. I don't remember the game offhand. I think it might have been one of the ones against Colorado. Um, Brodine's uh, game score from Dom Luian's model um, was the worst by defenseman to that point of the season I think by it was like a negative five and a half and I think the next close was like a negative three eight um, so like some of those games to me just really stuck out and I think Zeke as you alluded, just some of that consistency just seemed to be lacking a little bit um, and I think that's on both Brodine and Dumba but I think a lot of times we put the spotlight on Dumba for turnovers and stuff but I think what went overlooked is we've we've been so conditioned. Um, to, you because know, we've always talked how good Brodine is defensively, and that's very much still the case. He, he's still very good um, in analytics, still love him for the most part, but I think sometimes we get so conditioned to think that Brodine can never be the problem, it's always Dumba, and I think unfairly yeah. a lot of things that, you know, oh, Dumba took a penalty or Dumba turned the puck over, it was because well, because Brodine blew a coverage here or Brodine chipped this pass to Dumba when he should have gone this way to force Dumba into this situation. So I just think there was yeah. little things like that for me that's like, ah, it just seems like he just... Every now and again, he just kind of let me down a little bit. Um, He was sixth on the wild in goals against per 60 among defensemen. So um, most goals per 60 minutes scored against him than any of their defensemen. Um, That's with a PDO pretty much right at 100. So it can't really be attributed to bad luck. Um, On the contrary, his expected goals against per 60 was second best. So there's probably a little bit of bad luck in there mixed in. But I think ultimately they have to find a way to prevent some more goals. I just felt like his his defensive game took a slight step back this year, so I didn't I couldn't give him that a that high B because I think we've seen a better version of Brodeen. I'm not worried about him. I just think he could have given us a little more this year. Um, I, and that's that's kind of wh- wh- why I mm-hmm. settled on, on a B minus. Might be a hair low. A, a B might have been more fair.
2: You know, I, I think uh, like you said, I think the reasoning there that you brought it is very fair and is all true. Is what you know we saw too, but. Uh... Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, like you said, not worried about me either. They got him signed for the next seven years at $6 million, So I think he'll be just fine. I think he's, you know, for that kind of where I think he's just a very durable player the way he plays. And, you know, as long as he can skate uh, like he does, I think uh, he'll probably be just fine. So.
0: And I think one more thing, too, that may have had a little bit of an impact is I think that pairing kind of, I think, went from the second pairing and mm-hmm. I think they kind of almost flipped. I think they they were getting more of the minutes. Not by much. But I think, like, in key situations, Everson was looking to the Brodeen dumba pair versus the suter version pair. Um, and I think just because those two tend to have... They have a little more mobility, a little more ability to get the puck going to keep up with those faster skaters. So th- mm-hmm. some of that might just be adjusting to a little bit higher level of competition, too. Um, so I'm not... Again, I'm not worried about Brody at all. I just think he left a little bit more to be desired. Although the... Um, I think Justin, as you alluded to, just and, and Zeke, the the elevation the offense was was nice to see a little bit. So, for
1: sure, maybe that's partially why I bumped him up more than you guys. I, I don't know. I guess I I had a little bit harder time grading the defenseman for some I'm reason. I'm right there with you. Than <laughs> no, the it,
0: it, it's tricky because because defense because forwards you can kind of look at the stat sheet a little bit and like yeah okay you were good you sucked but defenseman's like all right you're not. Value is not always in points. It's okay. How were you in the defensive zone? Things like that. So, mm-hmm. right. versus going alphabetical, let's go by D pair here. Uh, just keep it consistent. Let's go to Dumba next.
2: Uh, I went with the B. I went with a B minus.
0: I also went with the B. So, Zeke and I are on the same page once again. Jeez, my ESP <laughs> is
1: just broken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I think we're back to m- me starting. Cause I went last last time, so I know. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he Dumbo's really divisive, I think, among fans because you can look Home. at, you know, I think it's just as with Fial, it's giveaways, 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 giveaways. Uh, Dumbo had 32 of he had 36 of them, I believe. Uh, no, 32, sorry, might have been 36. Hang on, I'm pulling out my note. Uh, 36, uh, which was most on the team, so among defensemen. But uh, 67 other defensemen, including Norris front-runner Adam Fox and uh, I believe Victor Hedman, both had more turnovers than Dumba. Uh, also with more turnovers, Ryan Pollock, Mikhail Sergachev, Jacob Chikrin, Mike Riley. Oh, and uh, Dougie Hamilton is about to get a fat paycheck. So, like, shut up about the turnovers because, like, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. Off, And, and, and we talk about Sfiala, offensive players who take chances are going to turn the puck over. It happens. The reason why, you know, a player like a Brodeen doesn't is because he's a defensively minded player. He's gonna he's gonna avoid the risk at expense of taking more risky plays. That's not Dumba's game. He's gonna I'm gonna go a zillion miles an hour. I'm gonna jump in and play him and take a chance. I'm okay with that personally. So way too big of a deal made over about uh, turnovers. So that's my soapbox on him. But again, I and then the reason I gave Matt Dumba a beat is because everywhere else he was fine. Uh, pretty much a top three wild defenseman in every category. I think you know six goals probably would have been a little low for him based on what we've seen in the past. Like maybe you want to see that number creep up closer to maybe ten, but in a shortened season, not the worst thing ever. Uh, led wild and expected goals per sixty. Um, led all wild defensemen in individual shooting categories. It's actually first them wild defensemen in hits. Uh, I just think overall he had a pretty good year. Like he got a lot of hate, but I, I think it was all unwarranted. Like mm. Matt Dumba proved he's just a very good top four defenseman. He's probably not going to be. I, you know, there's maybe a season where he thought, okay, maybe he could be an elite defenseman, an elite top pair. But I think he's a very good top four. Um, and whatever happens this off season, whether it's a trade um, or losing into expansion, they're going to see what a defense core without Matt Dumba looks like and how it's going to hurt a little bit with. At least right now, as much as I love Kalen Addison, I don't think he'll be Matt Dumba next season. Maybe yeah. in the future he can get there, but right now he mm-hmm. I don't think he has the defensive game that Dumba had. And I, one thing I did want to point out, uh, Dumba led all wild defensemen, in Corsi against per 60. So yeah.
2: so right. I think – oh, sorry. You can go ahead, Justin. Oh, I just said nice. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I'm, I think people have just hated Dumba ever since, you know, he first – played you know played his first year in pro here in minnesota uh he's just one of those players and i i think you know you, you're never gonna be able to shut those people up even if he did turn out to be you know even if his trajectory what it was like you said if he did score a bunch of goals but i think you know for me i think b was fine he wasn't uh i i would say he was average he wasn't great but he was good yeah. uh you know he maybe didn't show up the the points wise it didn't the offense didn't show maybe in that way but like you said uh, some of the more other stats and if you just look a little deeper show he, he was better on offense and maybe that a lot of people I was reading you know on Twitter and in the comment sections maybe thought so you know like you said I, I agree I think he was he was good he wasn't anything spectacular but uh, he, he is a, you know just aside from that he's obviously just a great energy player he's a great teammate uh, he's great in the community and all that so uh, you know he was good uh, you know if he, if he does leave it's going to suck to see him go for all those reasons but yeah no uh, I mean, aside from the occasional turnovers, uh, I think there's not much to really, you know, you, you can complain too much about a season this year. Right,
1: yeah. I mean, he had a, a decent season. I did want to see more offensive numbers. He was, what, third amongst defensemen in points and, mm-hmm. and uh, goals or whatever. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the MO of his game is being more of an offensive defenseman. So I think that's kind of where I went with the B-. minus. But he did do a good job, of, uh, you know, another player that likes to hit, make checks, and uh, he did a good job blocking shots with, what, 75 on the season. He yeah. was, like, fourth on the team and block shots. So, I mean, that was good and all, but uh, I kind of just want to see more offense out of him. Um, I mean, but he did, <laughs> I think, back to that Vegas game where he, he blocked, like, a ton of shots in the first period, and he was just, like, a, a block, shot blocking machine. He had, mm-hmm. I can't remember how many he finished with that game, but um, I, mean, I think he had six
0: that, that game. Yeah, I didn't get to watch it, but I think that was a big storyline. Was he was just mm-hmm. flopping all over the fucking box? I
1: but think I, oh, I certainly, yeah, I would say I certainly don't want to see us lose him. I, I think we may end up losing him, but uh, yeah, I mean, you guys touched on a lot of our good stuff.
2: And I think uh, what's you know kind of weird. I like yeah, you mentioned up with the point totals. It's it's kind of weird. That the last two years, Jonas Brodin has more had more points each season than Matt Dumbo, which is not something we would have thought even two years ago was going to happen. So,
0: yeah, true that. Brodin had more goals than Dumbo this year. Who would have thought? But. <laughs> yeah. If You take out the empty net goals, it might be it might be. And you know,
2: the, I think one of them was uh, it was an empty net goal too. But I think one of them. The, this is the Wilds had like four or five, was you know, getting dragged on the breakaway at the empty net. So, yeah. did, one of them, he didn't even put the puck in the net. It right. <laughs> counts either way.
0: So yeah, I think we're pretty much consensus on Dumba there, so that's good. Uh, let's move to the next pair here. Uh, we'll start with uh, the ageless boy wonder, Ryan Suter.
2: <laughs> yeah, I went uh, with B. I went with B as well.
0: Hey, we're 3-for-3, three three. second one. Uh,
1: hey, ESP so. is working again. There we
0: go. I think we have Kaprizov and Suter, I think, have been our only consensus ones uh, so
2: far. But. Yeah, so, I don't know. For me, I think uh, I think he's, again, uh, like I mentioned with Dumbo getting hate The Suter's a guy that I think gets a lot of, uh, is misunderstood, gets a lot of unwarranted hate. I mean, I think people see, you know, that the fact that he's not, you know, doesn't, I think people you know see effort the wrong way they see effort as in moving really fast and skating really hard which I think they miss with Suter and that he's just you know even as got older and he has slowed down a little bit he's just so good position wise has you know is great with the stick and is great using it to defend and I just think you know obviously you know he didn't put up as many get as many assists and put up as many points this year as he even has up to last year but I think the fact that he's 36 almost 37 and is still a good top six defenseman who's who solid in his own zone and can still, you know, make good breakout passes and do some stuff uh, on the power play and, and such when it is needed. I, I just think he's another player. Like like said, had a solid season, which I think would be warrants, and just another guy that, like we've said on here many times before, I think just gets a lot of unwarranted hate for whatever reason among the fan base.
1: Yeah, I mean, outside of that that injury he had in the playoffs against Dallas, I believe. Uh, he's been pretty much Mr. Reliable. He, like you say, doesn't average as many minutes as he used to. He averaged just over twenty-two this year. I uh, didn't miss any time. I mean, I felt like he looked like he had a different compete level this year, and maybe even in the playoffs than in the past. His points were down, which you know part of that is not being part of the power play one unit anymore. Uh, but overall, I felt like he had a, a pretty solid season. and uh, I mean, we're seeing guys like Precy and Suter getting pulled back from those spots, so their their numbers are going to dip. So yeah. I
2: think overall he was pretty solid,
1: though.
0: Yeah, to be 36 going on 30, is he 37 now? I don't know.
2: I think he's probably maybe yeah. this year sometime. Yeah, whatever.
0: 35 going on 36, 36 going on 37. Whatever he hit, like to still be producing as a top four defenseman, Mm-hmm. like at, at that age is pretty remarkable. I mean, there aren't too many. I mean, we've seen guys like Drew Dowdy's fallen off a cliff. Brent Burns and Eric Carlson have struggled mightily like, and they're in their lower thirties. I think Burns might be about the same age. I know Carlson's younger. He struggled. Drew Dowdy struggled. Like, but Ryan, uh, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, like these guys that were like these elite, elite defenders have fallen mm-hmm. off cliffs. But oh, Ryan Suter just keeps chugging along. Like, and as you alluded to, just he made a steal. The dude just doesn't get hurt. Uh, somehow I don't like, it's weird because like he lead a lot of the wild and kind of the offensive play driving, like on ice metrics, but like individually, it wasn't him. So I don't know if, you know, he's just getting deployed with the right guys or, you know, might, maybe it's a little bit of Spurgeon, yeah. but like he just does the right things. Like he's just him, him and Spurgeon complement each other so well because they just don't make mistakes. They're just both incredibly smart hockey players who just are never out of position. I think we talked a little bit, you know, Brodeen and Nubba maybe are more of those risk takers, but like. You want to shut down defensive pairing. You're, you're throwing Suter and Spurgeon out there. you they're gonna lock things yep. down. They're gonna get you, get you the zone clear. Suter, obviously penalty killer, power play guy, assistant captain. Like we saw how great he was to, like, all that stuff beginning the year about. Oh, I was reaching out to Kaprizov. You know, I invited him to live with me. But then he yes. finally had an apartment. Like, mm-hmm. I was inviting him over to skate on the pond with my kids and like, Ryan Suter great.
2: So much for all the rumors about him being a cancer. In the
0: yeah, lock. Ryan I'm Suter's great. Bad. No more Ryan Suter slander. We declared that, I think, like, beginning of the year. Yeah. We declared no yeah. Ryan Suter slander, unless <laughs> it was Ryan Suter wrist shot, which deserves slander all the time. But I think he did score maybe a goal on the Ryan Suter wrist shot this year. So Yeah, it was
2: against yeah I'm, <laughs> One yeah. limb brick goal. Yeah.
0: But, like, I just, I, like, I just want, like, I get... Is he overpaid at this point in his career? Probably yes, but I would say if Ryan Suter hit the open market, he probably still makes five million dollars on like a two-year deal, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like he's he's still like I said he's still a top four like okay, so you're paying him two and a half more than you want. Whoop-de-doo. It's not like he's like this unusable defenseman. I firmly believe uh, as long as he stays healthy, doesn't have some major injury, which he already did and still came back fine from that. Yeah. Like huh. he's going to – he might not be a top – I think he's got maybe top four defensemen for two more years maybe, at which point hopefully a guy like Keenan Addison's ready and hopefully you, you know, maybe you pick someone up in a trade or something. But he's going to be a guy I think that will be – you know, like a Zedano Chara, he can fill out a bottom pair and see mm-hmm. through the end of his contract. Like, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I just, agree. I thought for what he is, he was great. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: I like the I like the Chara char comparison, honestly.
0: Yeah. Two different types of players, but I think just durability wise right. and usability, I think that's yeah. he's more like a Chara than like a Keith or a Seabrook, which mm-hmm. apparently wild fans think he is, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You know, it's not, you know,
0: looking <laughs> all right. Let's go to his D pair. Uh, first season as a captain, Jared Spurgeon. Uh, I went uh, A, uh, A minus. Zeke and I, in sync again with an A. <laughs>
2: broken, <I'm> broken again.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't. I've lost track of whose turn it is to start. I don't know. Is it me? I
2: think it's. Ju- I think it might be Justin. I think so it is Justin. Uh, I think go ahead right. and start. I
1: mean, I, I think the beginning of the season was, it was kind of a tough start offensively, but I think more of that was puck luck. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, he just couldn't really buy a goal and, and he had excellent opportunities. And for some reason it, it just wasn't working for him, but overall had, uh, you know, a really good season, especially defensively. He's always solid there. I, I feel like, um, picked it up in the second half of the season and had a pretty good playoffs, but he, he ended up leading the wild demon in points of season. So, mm-hmm. you know, over, overall, overall, uh, um, I think just the uh, the bad puck luck. I mean, even with the bad, I can't even talk right now. Even with the bad <laughs> puck luck, he led the team in, in points, uh, D-man in points. So, you know, kind of the, the Jared Spurgeon we expect and, and love.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree totally. Like you said, the points were a little slow, and I still see some to this day. But just the being there, or that I was seeing in the comments and like Roof's articles, like, yeah, he's the next albatross on the team like, the other two old guys, and it's like, okay, guys, you, should, you know, get out of here. Again, it's like Brett mentioned earlier with defensemen, you can't always just look at points, and, and, you know, a lot of times, but like Justin said, he was just kind of the same first version that we always expect. Uh, you know, I I think, I still think he's a guy over 82 games that could, you know, get 40 points, push into 50 maybe, uh, if, you know, if on the power play, which he was on the number one unit as the only defenseman, which I thought was interesting, but uh, yeah, no, he's like again, obviously a great community too, a great teammate. The stuff he's done with Kaprizov, how he's befriended him. Uh, obviously the new captain. Uh, yeah, no, I th- like you said, just uh, kind of just a model of consistency, and uh, and just you know a great player and another guy that uh, you know. I mean, you know, we'll see him in three or four years, but I think he's another guy who I think will continue to, just the way he plays. Will continue to be uh, you know just kind of as good as he is for a very long time.
0: Definitely, yeah. I'm just going to read what I wrote kind of in my season summary because I think it encapsulates Spurgeon pretty mm-hmm. damn well. Um, and it, 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 some of it might be a little redundant to what you guys said, but I'll just go here. Uh, in all situations, minute Muncher Spurgeon continued to be a dominant defender this year. He led all wild defenders in both on-ice high danger chances and expected goals. He blocked more shots than any wild player and had the most takeaways and fewest giveaways of all wild defenders. He was also the only uh, player on the blue line uh, to have a positive penalty differential. He got off to a slow start offensively, but really ramped it up in the second half and ended the year leading the Wild in the blue line in shots and was second or third in pretty much every other offensive category. His comprehensive analytics, so GSVA, Expected war War, graded him out as the Wild's best defenseman across the board. Uh, He was the 12th best defender in the league by GSVA, 13th by Expected War. Simply put, when Spurgeon's on the ice, the Wild didn't control the play. He's one of the team's most valuable players. It's not close. Mic drop. Yep. Just good. Sounds like Jared
1: Spurgeon in a nutshell yeah. It's
0: like ah You need a guy that's just really good everywhere Just doesn't fuck up Here, Here's Jared Spurgeon Here he Oh is. by the way he's a short king <laughs> Love Mighty
1: Mouse teams. He's a little uh, A mouse king
0: yeah. Alright uh, On to the third pair Who I had <laughs> a really hard time Grading them out because like they yeah. were so lucky This year uh, Ian Cole, Carson Susie We'll start with Ian Cole
2: uh, I went B for Ian Cole I want B plus.
0: Yeah, I, I'm too low. I'm gonna change mine. I'm going B minus. <laughs> I had him as a C, but I'll, I'm gonna elevate him to a B-. minus. Oh, cool. no, no, C plus. C plus. <laughs> All right, uh, this one's me. I think to start. Yeah. All right. I had, like I said, I had a really tough time grading out Ian Cole because, like this, just uh, the style of hockey he plays. Like analytics hate it. Like he's just uh-huh. he, like him and Jared Spurgeon could not be more opposite. <laughs> just like the way <laughs> they play the game. But like the dude, I believe I don't have this the screenshots from my camera roll. But I believe him and Susie and felino I believe, were one, two, and three in the NHL and PDO. <laughs> uh, I believe Cole was uh, was he one or was he two? Uh, he was two behind Susie. So, 105.8 PDO. Um, 61.99% goals for percentage. Uh, <laughs> so, like, they map... they the, When Cole and Susie are on the ice, the Wild outscored opponents, but they shouldn't have. Um, his expected goals for on ice per 62 is at what actually happened 3.26. So, 1.26 more goals than expected. I'm um, at 5-on-5 five five for uh, Ian Cole this year. So, like... But ultimately, results are results. Like, that's where I was really torn. Like, the analytics said he should have been worse, but like, he just didn't give up goals. He blocked shots. He's a good leader. He was a good third pairing defenseman. Like, I had to like take analytics out of it because, like, even mm. when I watched it, like, it's like, yeah, he's not making too many mistakes. There was like down the stretch of the season, was like, ah, he had some rough games. But like, for what he was, the fact that they got him for Greg Patterin. Who yes. ended up, I think, playing most of his season in the AHL anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, all things considered, for me, I'm like, all right, it was, he was good, he was fine, so mm-hmm. C plus. I don't know, I don't know how else yeah. to put it. I just the analytics weren't there, but for once, I'm defying the analytics and saying the eye test tells me he was better than what the analytics show. <sighs> wow, I never thought. Yeah. It
1: was. <laughs> I just felt like <laughs> I felt like he solidified the third defensive pair. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, played a, I mean he's not going to wall you, plays that defensive style. Uh, He brings a little bit of grit to his game and, you know, shot blocking. And, you know, I don't really have much more to add. I mean, I really had a hard time grading Cole and Susie to be honest with you, too, like the the defenseman overall. But Cole is one of those guys that I want to see brought back. I just felt like he anchored that third pair and, you know, just, I don't know, I like his style of play for some reason.
2: You know, I, I agree with everything you guys said. I think, you know, obviously great in the locker room. has kind of lead, kind of a leadership role in a way. So, uh, yeah, no, I, you'd be another guy. I'd be interested if the price is right and bring back. Obviously, we've heard that could be a possibility. But, yeah, no, uh, nothing much more to add for me on him.
0: Yeah, I think if I had to, like, really criticize one area of his game that isn't analytical, he had a negative 14 penalty differential.
1: <laughs> um,
0: So a lot of the times the they were shorthanded. It was probably because of Ian Cole. Um, so that's mm-hmm. maybe some of legacy cleaned up, but I think he kind of had yeah. that rep even kind of coming in, like yeah, this guy's going to take a lot of penalties because the way he plays. But um, yeah, so that maybe the one thing I'd like to see him clean up, maybe even a little bit. So yeah, all right. That's fair. And last but not least, for players, before we get into our final two uh, people, as uh, Carson well, Sussi.
2: Well, are we doing goalies too? Or
0: oh yeah, we'll do goalies too.
2: Okay.
0: I didn't know well. about them. They're on my list. <laughs> I'm just getting ahead of myself.
2: No, so, so I mean, for <laughs> me, I put uh, I went B for Susie as well. Uh, I went uh, C plus.
0: I'm at a B minus. So we're all
2: kind yeah. Of- so I know you know again, like Brett said, he's another guy that was incredibly lucky with P with PDO and stuff. And despite that, I still think even in his first year with the Wild, I still think even though there's not a ton, I still feel like I've seen more, you know, I guess offense or passing ability than I ever remember seeing in college. And I think. He has improved a very good amount from even a couple of years ago when he was in Iowa. And if you know everyone kind of remembered that I think it was in 2018, 2019 after he played in the playoffs, and they kind of thought he was going to be an emerging guy and he supposedly had a really disappointing camp and all this. And I think he's kind of improved for that. So maybe I, I got a little bit, I guess, a little bit biased from that standpoint. But, you know, I, I think he's a, a fine third-pair guy who can uh, spl- split up and play as the number four spot uh, too as well, and I mean, obviously, he's on a good contract for like two and a half million for three more years. So you can't really hate that. Again, like the like Brett will probably say again, like he did with Cole, he maybe got a little lucky, but uh, you know, I think solid third pair defenseman who for me had a fine season. Like just okay, fine,
1: right? I mean, I'm I'm a huge Carson Soucy guy. Just oh, yeah. got to see him play at UMD, you know, all that type of stuff. We all know that I'm a huge UMD guy, but honestly, for some reason, I'm of a hard having a hard time remembering. Susie this season. I know he was tied mm-hmm. for second in assists by a defenseman on the Wild, but you know, for some reason, I have a hard time remembering a, a lot of uh, his season. I mean, I know he can play physical, but this is kind of a guy that I'd I'd struggled with pretty mightily coming up with mm-hmm. a grade.
0: I think your analysis there is good, though. Like, Susi isn't a memorable a memorable player, but that's not a bad thing. It's like he yeah. just—he's not buzzing up the ice. He's not—you know—he's not really committing a ton of egregious turnovers. He doesn't take a whole lot of penalties, and like a lot of the ones he did take were kind of bullshit. Um yeah. like, uh, like 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 the cross check in the playoffs. Like, I'm, like God, I yeah. I'm not gonna go there again. But like, he's just—he's just a really like good number four. Like he he the Wild haven't so perfectly cast like the number four number five guy kills penalties. Yeah. He's not probably gonna play the power play. He's you know, bigger defenseman, still mobile, you know, can chip in offensively, is decent defensively. I think the Wild as a whole were a little worse defensively this year, so I'm not going to, again, that's why I'm trying not to over-exaggerate, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the analytics this year, because I think as a team, they took a, a slight step back defensively. But uh, So I don't want to pin it on one player necessarily. I think it might have been Dean Evison's system, I think, was a little more... It differed in Bruce Brujo's in a sense that it was more run and gun. Let's, let's attack more off the rush. Let's take some more chances where Brujo's like, "Nah, we're going to shut down and then we're going to four-check. We're not going to attack on yeah. the rush. Um, but So I think that that plays into some of that stuff too. But I think ultimately he just tees what he is. He's a good number four, number five. There's going to yeah. be some head scratchers. But again, I mean, they, when Susie and Cole were on the ice, the Wild scored goals and the other team didn't. Um, the analytics of that shouldn't have been the case, but sometimes analytics aren't perfect and we know that. And in the case for those two, they're yeah. they're freaking PDO kings. Um and Susi was the PDO king of the NHL this year. So better be lucky than good as they say. Absolutely. All right. Agreed. Goaltenders.
2: Uh I went with a B plus for Cam Talbot.
1: I went with an A.
0: I went with an A. There we are, Justin. There we
1: are. ESP <laughs> is back in, it's kicked in, it's working. Two in a row. I think.
0: Three in a row? Last, something like that. Might, I yeah. Something
1: like that. Talbot. I, I just felt like he brought stability to a position that was as bad as it could be the last couple of seasons for us. Yeah. You know, I think at times he was the team MVP, especially in the playoffs. Uh, and, and I think a huge reason why we had as good of a season as we did, you know, he brought a 9.15 save percentage and a 2.63 goals against average, and you know, he kind of did everything that he needed to do and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had an incredible playoffs overall, even better than the regular season numbers, 923, save percentage, 245 goals against average, and two shutouts. kept us in a lot of the games where, you know, that Vegas was playing really well, but you know, overall, I think he was one of the team MVPs and, and was a huge signing for us.
2: You know, I agree. I think, for uh, me, I, I tried to, you know, I took the idea of, you know, well, well pretty much, it was going to be hard to get worse at the goaltending position, regardless of who they signed, so I didn't want to I guess considering how bad it was last year to like overrate how the goalies were, but he was very good. And I think a key for me, why, I mean, I could probably could have given A minus, but a key for me why I kept him high was, uh, you know, the fact that there were games that he like stole, like he wasn't just always just that average, you know, good enough goal thunder There were actually several games throughout the year in the playoffs that he, uh, you know, you could tell he, the team wasn't playing great, but he was there and he stole the game. And I think, you know, all the wild needed out of him, was just average goaltending, and for the most part, he was just average or just good. Uh, he did for, he provided that, which is what exactly what they needed, and he did steal a few games uh, to help them win in the regular season and end the playoffs, which was a huge as well, which is a big reason they got to the point of the, of the year and to where they did in Game Seven. So, uh, a really good signing, you know. Two more years left at like three point six million, which is great value for a guy who's will be thirty five at the end of it, and yeah, no, uh, nothing to complain about there. Like I said, it was going to be hard to not do better, but I think uh, can't help it. Like uh, like Justin said, he just provided exactly what we needed.
0: Yep, I think you guys hit it perfectly. The, the stability and just being what the Wild needed was just key. And like that may not like on another team, maybe what he did isn't you know great. Is like if he's on the Jets, the Jets mm-hmm. probably you know don't have as good of a season, right? 'Cause they, they need that goaltender to be great. But Tel Telvin had to be great. He just had to be good. Um mm-hmm. I think even look at it, his his league ranks, nineteen wins tied for tenth, uh nine fifteen save percentage, tied for fifteenth, two point six three tied for eighteenth. Like the Dude. raw numbers that everybody understands. Goals against save percentage, like he was just very average, but that that's fine. That's what as you guys said, that's what we needed. Um he did finish this season negative goal, goal save above expected. Um, but a lot of that kind of came in some meaningless games where, like, against the Blues and some games down the stretch, there were like, it didn't really matter what happened. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, th- there was a time, you know, during the season there too where, you know, his goals stayed above expected, I think, were creeping up for, like, top five in the league where he looked like a legit Vesna candidate. And, Zeke, that's kind of when you alluded to, like he was stealing games mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. And I just think, you know, he just brought that stability. He was great. Um and he he's put the Wild situation where all of a sudden like yeah if we lose into expansion yeah okay but now it's like mm, I don't know if we want to lose into expansion like now it's you know he, he's he he was so he was good enough and, and gave everything they needed and so much in the way that now yep. that they you, you want to keep him which and if it takes a second round pick to protect him I'm okay with that Um okay, I, I don't think it will I, I think there's enough goalies out there and I think when teams evaluate okay we could have Cam Talbot. And then not take goalie from this team, but then you look if you look at the secondary options, and I'll get we'll 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 get to this when we do our expansion draft here in a couple of weeks. But I I just think you know the Wild will have options that are just as attractive as Talbot that other teams won't have when it comes to picking you know a, their backup goalie like a Jake Allen. Like is there really going to be yeah. a player on on a Montreal's roster that's you know that you'd rather take the player over Jake Allen? I I, I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. hear what I'm saying, but. I kind of tangenting, but... Yeah. All right. Capo.
2: Uh, I went uh, with B I went with a B. I went with a C.
0: Which... Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. had a really hard time with Kakanen.
2: Yeah. I, I did, too, because, I mean, I think... You know, he had a good start to the year. I mean, he had that, like nine or ten game win streak, uh, which was really good. And I think, as when I was reading Brett's cards, a lot of his worst games were obviously against St. Louis, the nine goal game, uh, and then that seven goal game, and the last game of the season. But so I think maybe that maybe skews the numbers a little bit. I mean, he, you, you want know, me to read was, that
0: stat quick that I have?
2: Yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. So in three starts against the Blues this year, Kacken had allowed 19 goals on 96 shots, a 786 save percentage. In those games, he allowed 12.06 more goals than expected, um, meaning that in his other 21 starts, he allowed just 3.53 more goals than expected. So, to put that in perspective, his season long goal state above expected was a negative 15.59, which is like terrible. But if you take out the three games against St. Louis, it's a negative
2: 3.53. Yeah. So, you yeah, so, know, like, that, that.
0: So, like, as you said, Zeke, like a lot of his numbers were like. Inflated in the wrong way because of basically three bad games.
2: Yeah, so you know while you know I I just want to take that into account. I think there were times too where you know I felt like he had. I don't know, maybe it's not fair, but I felt like there were times where he, I think we've just seen throughout his his entire career, and especially in North America, that he seems to be an inconsistent or streaky goalie at times where he's either started really good and ended really bad or started really bad and ended really good. So maybe that just shows that he's maybe not necessarily be a starter. Again, who, who knows? Goalies are really weird, and maybe next year, you know cam talbot might get hurt or, or or capo steps in and he has posts like a 925 save percentage or something crazy like we don't know that's always possible but so i, th- I think you know it, it was fine for rookie season i it wasn't it wasn't bad I, I wouldn't i think it was just kind of right around average from what we expected uh, a little disappointing to see him kind of end on a not so great note but i think all things considered he uh, he, he did a mostly decent job
1: yeah, I mean, we wanted to see him get 15 to 20 starts this year. At the beginning of the season, I think we said he got what 24. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so I think a big part it. of that was the Talbot injury, and he filled in nicely there with that win streak and kind of helped. You know, I think that stretch helped our season big time. And you mm-hmm. know, but like you said, his mo has been being streaky, and that's what he was, especially after you know. He got rocked by Colorado, which wasn't all his fault, but still, he was pretty um, shaky and streaky after that. Yeah. You just kind of want to see him uh, be more consistent.
0: Yeah, and for all the, guy, the reasons you allude to, that's why I gave him a C is there was really good, there's really bad, and when you meet in the middle, you get average. I thought that's mm-hmm. kind of more or less what he was this year. I mean, even his end of the season numbers 9 0 1 save percentage, 2.8 goals against, three shutouts, record was good, 16 8 0. Like, he's just. You know, he won the games, but, you know, like you said, had some rough games in there. But I think all things considered for rookie goalie to come in and do what he did. I mean, there was a, a good chunk of the season he was in, you know, some thought he was in the caller conversation, which, was, which yeah. was really cool. Like, you know, so like I, I'm, I'm I just want people to not to just remember he had, th- you know, as we alluded to three really bad games against St. Louis. If you take those out and then you looked at everything else, it would have looked like a really good rookie season. So mm-hmm. I, I think his future is bright. I think just to continue just to play him and just make sure when you play the Blues that it's Cam Talbot or if it ends <laughs> up being somebody else, um, just yeah. make sure that uh, against St. Louis, Kakinen is the backup, and then you'll be fine. So,
1: <laughs> I think who knows what would have happened if Stalock didn't get... Uh, yeah, it makes you, you know. wonder, right? The health and get claimed, but you know he was kind of thrusted into that role, and, and I don't know if it was sooner than he was ready for. But uh, you know, we kind of got to see see both sides of him.
0: All right. Well, that wraps up our players. Uh, let's move in now to our final two. We'll talk about Dean Evason, Bill Guerin. We'll start with Dean Evason, who uh, we found out tonight did not win the Jack Adams Trophy. Was a finalist, finished second. In voting I mean the league probably saw him as an A plus and A. Uh, were you guys any different? Uh, do you have him lower, higher, Where did you have Dean Evison?
2: I had a B plus. I had a B. I also had a B. So Yeah, I don't know. I think I think there are I mean, I don't know. I guess I feel like he did a better than expected job for me. Uh, I mean, obviously the whole team did. And, you know, a lot of times there's a thing of how much impact does the coach really have? But I think I do have by some credence to the fact that him and Bill Guerin kind of started to set this new culture. And even though I didn't always, you know, like I'm sure you guys will say there, there was a lot of decisions that we didn't agree with and and some things that, you know, they've just didn't try or maybe were afraid to try that he could have done better. But I think, uh, I still think uh, that, I mean, again, the Jack Adams voting, you can debate it, how vol- awards are voted on and, and all that, which can be, you know, silly at times. But I still think that, uh, for me, he did uh, a better-than-expected job for me, which was uh, enough to warrant uh, the B-plus for me, personally.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I like Dan. He did a good job overall. But there are some things, like you said, like, he kept trying to do the same things over and over again and, mm-hmm. and things that didn't work, I felt like. At times he was inconsistent with, uh, like, how he punished players and scratching players, especially, like, a player like Rask or Johansson that maybe uh, warranted it over a player like Parise or something. But, uh, I mean, overall I'm happy he did a good job, but that's kind of why I gave him a B instead of, like, an A.
0: Yep, I'm pretty much right where you are, Justin. I just think it was just, you know, it was the continuing to – to play Rask with stuff, It was continuing to throw mm-hmm. Rask and Vino on the power play. It was, you know, maybe starting Cam Talbot won too many games when we should have mixed in and It yeah. was just those little things here and there. That's like, this just seems kind of obvious. And like, it's pretty clear. This isn't working. You know, let's give Nico's term. Well, why do you healthy scratch Nico's term? We talked about, you know, the Zach Preezy stuff's been discussed at length. Like it's just some of these things to make you go just like, ah, like it just, some of the things were confusing to me, and like, obviously, I'm not going to question the coach. They had a good year. Things worked out in the end. But as you guys alluded to, there's just some things that's like, they that were just kind of head scratchers. I just, I couldn't give him that full, like, yeah, you were awesome. You did everything perfect. All the success was because of you. Um, I, I mm-hmm. also understand, though, you know, he's got to, you know, use the cards he was dealt from Garen as well. And I think he overall made a pretty good, uh, you know, did well with what he was given. So, okay. better than Great. expected. Could have been a little better. That's B to me. Yep. Yep. All right. And last but not least, I'll probably make this, a, I, I'll probably split this into two parts. Um, so people don't have to listen to us talk for two straight hours. Two <laughs> hour right. <of> the time. <laughs> Wait, we've been two hours on uh, so? Pretty close. 10 minutes away. Oh, <laughs> By the time we're done, we'll probably be about two hours. So, okay. uh, which is good because my laptop's about to die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, last but not least, uh, General Manager Billy Garen.
2: I went with an A.
1: I went with an A as well.
0: I'm a little lower, I went with a B on Garen. Should I start? Right. Yeah, you go ahead. And start. All right. So the only reason I gave Garen a B is I just felt like and I know you have to go with what you're given and, you know, the, the Rossi issue with COVID perhaps plays into this, but I just think there was still a glaring need for the Wild to upgrade at center going into the season. Like it wasn't a secret that Rask, Eriksson Eck, Benino, Bukestead, Hart like that that you weren't going to be a contender with those players. And I just think like, I don't know what Garen did behind the scenes and I'm sure he tried to trade for somebody, but I just think like just that little bit of a failure to address the obvious glaring need just knocked him just down a little bit, you know, maybe a B plus would be more fair for him than a B. Um, But Mm. I just think like he just missed on that little thing. You know, I think he did a really good job of, of, you know, acquiring a lot of players um, on cheap deals um, it made a lot of good trades, but we didn't really get to turn those expiring assets into anything, which, you know, sometimes rentals are your own, but like Johansson flopped. Um, Ian trade was good. Benino was good. But, you know, to kind of now lose those guys and not get anything back when, you know, that was maybe hopeful. But again, the team overachieved. So there's just kind of a lot of moving parts there for me. It's just like, I just feel like there's maybe just a little more he could have done. Obviously, you know, if he goes and swings a big trade this summer, I'll shut up and never say anything again. Uh, but I think to me that just there's just a little more I would have liked to see just to maybe make the team a little bit better, um, and maybe yeah. you know telling you know maybe giving Dean a little bit more ammo, especially in that forward group. Um, but overall, he did he did really really well.
2: And I think for me, I think you know I, I agree too. I think that I thought about that too. The fact that they could not upgrade the center position last summer, even though uh, you know we thought they were going to. I mean, we've heard from Russo a lot of times that you know they were have tried. They tried to trade Matt Dumbo last summer a lot, and maybe you know, that, that maybe it was an issue of not necessarily having the pieces or willing to give up the things at the time or what players available. I guess, like you said, we don't obviously know all the details, but I, I don't know. I guess for me, maybe it just more stems from my just overall confidence in the guy. I think uh, like, like we've, like everyone said, he just seems like an OBS guy, but at the same time, you know, he's, he's honest, uh, you know, he, he's, but he's also not like Dick, even if he's going to be honest, but he's, he's not going to be Dick. He's just going to say what say it how it is he it seems to know what he's doing he seems like a really smart guy seems to know how to work with people the players coaches all that so i like all that and obviously some of the moves like the in cold trade uh getting hartman to sign which maybe could be just a sign of you know building that culture and getting guys to buy into the way they want to play and the way they want to you know act as a team and all that so i guess for me that's just kind of what I just thought was uh, some of the smaller things that I thought he's done a really good job. And again, it's only two years into his tenure. So we'll have in like three or four years. We'll have a better idea. And especially after the summer of what, you know, kind of how his time with the Wild is, is going to go or is going. But I think overall, he did a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, I went with A because, I mean, none of his signings were were big signings, but I think he's really prepping for this season cause you saw a lot of guys go on one-year deals. You know, you see the culture change. Uh, like you said, Hartman took that that team-friendly deal. He's made a great signing with Talbot, you know, the first goalie signing of the free agency period. I felt the cold trade was good. Uh, I think this summer is going to be the big telling summer because I think we do need to, to go for one or two big centers at least. Uh, on top of, you know, expansion and, and the draft and, and signing key free agents. But I think overall, he's done well with uh, kind of maybe the team overachieved a little bit, but I think he was just kind of preparing for for this, this offseason because, yeah, the center position wasn't addressed. But I mean, they tried and kind of did what they had to. And I, I think this, hopefully, this summer is different. But I, I think overall, he's done a good job of changing the culture and, and starting to build the thing the right way. He didn't give up a lot, any picks or prospects yep. either which is huge in my eyes too
0: yep yeah a lot of good th- like I, I i will say this it's it's a b plus not because he did anything bad like everything he did i i, I liked like there was nothing i, I said like i oh, was terrible like like we're like you know some of the right. stuff paul fenton did you're like oh i was terrible what are you thinking like i didn't <laughs> have i haven't i've yet to have that with billy Garren holding my breath for the summer here um but yeah so i think i think that's important for, i want to point that out like I don't think Garrett did anything bad. There's nothing I would say like, oh, I would undo that or do that differently. I think he got yeah, mm-hmm. good trade values. Again, he's talked about the importance of making hockey trades. He says he's want to win trades, but I think if you look in hindsight, um, if Enoff turns into the player that it looks like he'll be, um, if you know, if Damon Hunt is an NHLer, um, I think the Wild are going to win that trade. They obviously won the Ian Cole trade. Uh-huh. Um, I, Depending on who this pick turns into, that Zucker trade—Zucker had a really tough year in Pittsburgh this year. Um, Killing Adams looks like he's going to be a top four defenseman. You get another top six forward or top four defenseman out of the draft. Wow, they're going to win that trade. So yeah. it, it's—he says he doesn't try to win trades, but I think as of now it looks like he's won most of them. So that's why I'm still holding my breath for for this summer. As as we uh, as we as, again as we address beginning the show, uh, per Russo and per LeBron, they're they're in on Eichel. They're asking. They're seeing the price. Um, doesn't mean they're they're gonna get them. Uh, we, we we've discussed on this show both our why we'd like it, why we'd hate it. So I think ultimately it's gonna come down to the reaction for that is what the price ends up being and what the Wild mm-hmm. give up. So mm-hmm. um, we'll keep we'll keep close tabs on that because it sounds like uh, Buffalo wants to get that trade done uh, before the expansion draft, I believe. So mm-hmm. um, that's within kind of the next month here. So uh, we'll keep close tabs on that. Um, well. Coming up on two hours here, fellas. Like I guess I'll probably split this episode up. Um so while you're hearing this, you'll probably be on part two. But any kind of final thoughts uh to wrap up um player cards or anything uh anything else here or not player cards, player report cards, excuse me. Um or any, any final thoughts here before we uh sign off on this uh, lengthy return to podcasting.
1: No, nothing nothing other than uh being really excited about what's to come in the next month or so
2: yeah no I'm, I'm the same it was just kind of good to have kind of one last uh show to kind of look back on this last season and like justin said just looking forward uh it should, should be a could be a lot of uh, fun you know news coming out and uh i'm also just i think you guys are all going to really enjoy it but i think we're also really looking forward to mock experience and draft episodes that we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks which i think will be just kind of a really fun and uh, interesting exercise to do
0: yeah, so just to remind everyone, what is coming up uh, next week? Just another kind of a fun episode, uh, just kind of between getting back into podcasting, and then before we really dive into everything, uh, we're just going to discuss maybe forty-five-ish minutes or so. Just you know, maybe even less, depends on how many rules we come up with that are that are different. But we're mm. going to discuss, you know, if, if we were given the opportunity to make rule changes uh, in the NHL, what, what some ideas we would have and how those would play out, and whether or not we'd like them and agree on them or not. So that'll be next week. So a quicker show should be fun. Um, And then after that, really diving into everything draft-related, starting with the entry draft preview um, with uh, Gabe Foley, who does a lot of um, personal podcasts, podcast prospect scouting on his own uh, he'll be joining the show uh, to give some of his insights because um, admittedly we haven't been able we haven't been as head first as we were last year because the wild don't have that you know that that top 10 pick like they did last year so we'll bring him in to get some more insight and maybe some of those some of those gems that could be there late in the draft we'll talk about all the ones you've tweeted at us again if there's someone you want us to cover on the show tweet it at us i've got a running list of players you've already asked about so if you are tweeted us i got it don't worry um, and then we got our two-part uh, mock draft um, coming up on uh, July 8th and July 15th. Uh, and then right after that, that's when all hell breaks loose. The expansion draft will have happened. The entry draft will have happened. We'll recap all of that either on July 25th or 26th. We'll, uh, we'll talk about free agency uh, one day after it starts. So if the Wild have made moves, we'll recap those and then also discuss players we think they should target or trades they could make after that. Um, and that'll be it for our summer um, up to that point. And then, of course, if some news breaks anywhere in between those time frames, uh, we'll try to jump on with same-day reactions. But again, a lot of fun stuff coming up. This is just the start. So um, again, if you want to leave you know, a personal report card in the comments from tonight, um, players you thought we nailed in the head, players you thought we were too low on, too high on, uh, be sure to let us know. Uh, again, we'd love to debate with you in the comments. But uh, as always, uh, thanks for listening. So guys, uh, where can everyone find you here before we finish up?
2: Well, yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter uh, as usual at, at ZB Wild Nation, underscore HW, and you can find my written work at hockeywilderness.com.
1: You can find me at, at DE 2004. You can find me at Caprice of C with Caprice Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players.
0: And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh92. Be sure you're following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram, at soundthefoghorn, all one word. But that'll do it for today's two-part episode of Wild Player Report Cards. Rule changes coming up before we drive into everything draft in a couple weeks. This has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn.